Say hello to the bad guy. The good guy coming last place. Smell that dope when I pass by. I let my money at a fast pace. All right, welcome to Say Hello to the Bad Guy. I'm your host, Locke, and this is the podcast where we drink, smoke, and bullshit about the life of a historic criminal. Now we're talking outlaws and gangsters. We're not going to cover too many serial killers. That's just a little bit dark for me, and this ain't no true crime podcast. Honestly, you can't call this a history podcast because I'm no historian. I'm just a history fan that does some research and bullshits about it with his friends. So speaking of my friends, let me introduce you to my co-host. First with us today... We got Dan the Duke. Yo, what up, though? Wait, wait, wait. No, I'm not DC. I'm I'm Dan. Hey, guys. How, how are you doing out there? That's more like That's a drastic adjustment. That was pretty meta. That was the guy doing an impression of the guy doing the guy. You know, I like to layer things for no reason at all. I'm like a stupidity onion. <laughs> oh, big fan of stupidity onion. <laughs> also with us today, we got cancer. What the fuck is up, guys? I'm bringing what the fuck is up, guys, energy. I, I like it. I like it, but I'm kind of stuck on stupidity onion. <laughs> what, uh, cancer, what do you got to drink today? This is uh, Girl Grey. I had it once before. It's uh, from the brewery. It's good stuff. Tastes it's, like the, tea. it's called the brewery? The, the name of the brewery is The Brewery. The brewery. Uh, I forget where they're from. Uh, Orange County, California, actually. But it's good. It's uh, I like it a lot. Nice. The brewery stuff, uh, they do a lot of pastry stuff. They do a lot of, you know, like uh, cherry pie, uh, pie alamo, things, things of that nature. I love how you said they do a lot of pastry stuff. Then you clarified by just naming some pastries. Well, you know, just in case some people, because we're from Michigan, maybe they think we I mean, I'm saying pasty, like, <laughs> yeah. which is either... Which is either a nipple cover or something that tastes like a nipple cover. We've clearly established it hasn't been released. It's on the coming soon premium content. But you are not a fan of either pasties. No, no. They both taste the same to me and they both annoy me equally. Because I do like pasties. I like pasties the food, not the nipple. Oh, cover. oh okay. Well, are you guys talking about like the, the handheld meat pie? Thing yeah. Like, yeah. Those, aren't those pronounced punchkis or something? I no, Punchki's like a donut. Yeah, that's a lard. It's a lard-filled donut. It's a lardy donut. Yeah, the Punchki is. Punchki's a Polish donut. But... Pasty is the Sahara Desert wrapped in pastry. It's, it's like a shepherd's pie met a pizza roll and lost all its flavor. I mean, yeah, <laughs> I'm, not, I'm not a big fan of the. I'm not a big fan of like shepherd's pie in like roast and like the meat pie stuff. So I'm with you there. I'm not a big fan. It's gritty, it's dry. Like, we don't work in coal mines anymore. We don't need it. We'll stop trying to eat it on the beach, dickhead. And maybe we'll be so tasty <laughs> all the time. What do you got to drink, Dan? Oh, yeah. Back to the show. Um, <laughs> I'm rocking uh, some zombie dust, undead pale ale from Three Floyds, which uh, premiered on the podcast. I guess other people had other three Floyds, but this is the first uh, Zombie Dust premiered episode or two ago and still kicking it, still enjoying it. Ironically, it this might up. actually be the premiere. Where, yeah, I don't know what order these go in. Tune into the next episode. You'll hear more about our drinks. <laughs> yeah, it may or may not be the first time you see it. Well, keep you on your toes. <laughs> Just keep listening. You'll get it eventually. 
Well, today I got a Yingling, America's oldest brewery in Pottsville, Pennsylvania. Did you have to go to Ohio to get it? Yeah. But my son goes to school in Ohio. So whenever I go down there. Or ah, yeah. Now he's 21. Even when he came up, I could have him bring some with me or bring some with him. But now my wife works in Ohio. So I, I got yeah. unlimited access to Yingling, dog. Nice flex, bro. I wish we all had it that nice. So in Detroit, over the weekend, we had some good weather. So summer is coming, the sun is shining, and your balls are smooth. You heard that right. Your friends at Manscaped are here to make sure your beach balls are smooth as Floridian sand. (laughs) In the summer, you want to kill some cold beers and barbecues, not kill the vibe with pubes peeking out your swim trunks. So Manscaped has their performance package 4.0 to keep the party in your pants looking crisp and refreshing all summer long. So join 4 million men worldwide who trust Manscaped. And get ready for the summer by going to manscaped.com for 20% off plus free shipping with the code bad guy. If you got people sticking out your swim trunks, you definitely need to get on that. You have a problem. I mean, really, it's 2022. If you don't know to fucking trim your balls by now, come on now. Yeah, low-key, I've always been on top of all that. But now I can do it without feeling like I'm going to chop something off. Oh, yeah, that's one thing, like... I for sure will say for Manscaped, it definitely gives you the confidence. When I had to shave my balls before, not like, oh, man, I'm going to put myself in danger. But there was a little more carefulness. There was a little more, like now with the Manscaped, being able to just hop in the shower with the light and it's nice and sleek and everything, the reduces cut, you can just get in there. It's no longer like a hassle. It's just like, yeah, trim this bad lad up right now. Bam. So get 20% off plus free shipping with the code bad guy at manscaped.com. That's 20% off plus free shipping with the code bad guy at manscaped.com. This is the summer to turn your package into the full package with Manscaped. Just do it. Your partner will be happy. Yes, I agree. Just do it. Your partner will be happy. So today we're going to cover a guy that ties into our episode we did with the guys over at Partners in Crime. So I got an opportunity to go over there with them and cover Johnny Torrio. So we covered Big Jim, Al Capone, Frankie Yale, Paul Kelly, Jack McGurn, Tony Accardo, like every person except Johnny Torrio. And then ah. they did it. And then they invited me on and I was real excited to do it. And there's all these guys that are kind of prior to Johnny Torrio becoming the guy we know that were kind of involved in what he created that we're always a little bit small for guys that we cover, but I thought were kind of interesting. So what I figured we could do is we'd do this as kind of a preview story to some of the Johnny Torrio story, just kind of a side story to someone that's connected to him. And when you're done with this one, go over to Bill Crooks, Partners in Crime, check out the Johnny Torrio episode. They're big supporters of the show, so support their show back. We'll go ahead and get started. And the bad guy we're covering today is Maurice Enright. This ain't negotiation time. This is Scarface, final scene, fucking bazookas under each arm. Say hello to my little friend. Damn right. No, not damn right, end right. Oh, we don't say the end here. Mossy. Maurice Mossy, end right. Apparently he wasn't a Rolling Stone. Which, did you know, I always got that phrase, the whole Rolling Stone gathers no moss. 
I always thought that was pro being a Rolling Stone. Like, yeah, you never grow moss. You keep it rolling. That's not, you're supposed to not be a Rolling Stone. Like, it means like, if you keep moving, keep rolling, nothing grows on you. You don't build nothing. Like, you want moss Mm. to, that's like building your family, building your stuff. Yeah, I never knew that either. I thought, yeah, yeah, there's a whole other side to that phrase. I never knew. Hmm. The more you know. Sad to say, I learned that from LL Cool J on an episode of CSI, something or other. I was up north, man. We get like two channels. It's CSI or like local news. And I don't care what the Oscoda Little League team. Hey, I up. mean, it's LL Cool J. It's, it's the GOAT. So yeah. He licks his lips and spits knowledge, you know. The Oscoda yep. Little League team, they got that young second baseman. That kid's fucking dope. <laughs> yeah. So Maurice Enright was born in Ireland in 1886 and moved to Chicago when he was young. When he was a wee lad. So at a young age, he rarely attended school and decided to drop out and get a job as an apprentice plumber. So he went to trade school. Very smart. We actually covered some of these guys that were in the Kansas City Mafia. There's this guy that was uh, like this giant crime boss, and he was like a journeyman plumber. And he did the plumbing his whole life because, you know, we're talking about a time when cities and plumbing and hvac is not all what it is now like right. if you were a good plumber that was big fucking money that was in de- not big not giant money like you're rich but it was an in-demand it was a, yeah it's in demand for sure so he becomes a plumber and eventually he ends up joining the steam fitters local 520 mm-hmm. and he's just kind of a hard-nosed irish chicago union kid just your normal run-of-the-mill turd chaser that's slang for plumber. You're a carpenter, right? Is that what carpenters really call plumbers, or are you just being a dick? Like, I learned that from a plumber. They call themselves turd chasers. <laughs> I think there'd be hair wide chasers, but I mean, what I guess I'm... turd chaser sounds better. <laughs> you got a clog. <laughs> so, by the early 1900s, he started working as a slugger during the Chicago Circulation Wars. Is that newspapers? Is that what it, the circulation was? Yeah, it was. So William Randolph Hearst put out a paper called The American, and he sold it for like half the price. Like they were selling it for two pennies. He'd sell it for one penny, and mm. he'd pay guys extra money to go out and bark in the middle of corners to sell more papers. And What's more American than that? Right. Well, the other newspapers didn't like it, so they started sending people out there to beat them up and beat up the kids and fucking flip over stands that were selling their papers. And they did that for about, I don't know, like eight years. <laughs> Damn. Yeah. You see, what's good about naming your paper the the American is now if they're against you, you can just openly call them anti-American. <laughs> Very true. But that's good. So he started the barking thing, so like he created the whole newsies out there going extra, extra. He was well, that, responsible for that. Well, no, what I'm talking about, that's like William Randolph Hearst, not him. Yeah. But like, yeah, like that's what they started. It was like, you go get out there and sell the papers more. We're going to sell them cheaper. We're going to just take it over. And it's more aggressive. Yeah. And all the other papers were like, what the fuck are you doing, man? And uh, they started like buying like stands out, like in the prime property. Like, well, we'll just give you extra money to like sell ours exclusively. So then other papers would come over and flip over their shit and be like, fuck you, man. That's the thing. It'd be like, you know, your slice of the pie isn't enough. 
Like, I, I want my slice. I want their slice. You know, you got all these people that are like, yeah, we're going to go into this business and we're going to do it well. And, you know, we're going to do it the right way. And then you got the one guy who's like, nah, nah, <laughs> that's not how it's done. I'm going to show you how it's done. I like to think there's sneaky conniving people like they wouldn't go flip over your newspapers or nothing, but all of them would be missing the business section. Like I would just go <laughs> like fuck up like little things. Who the fuck Erase, is uh, break the ease on their typewriter? Bust in and solve half of all the crosswords. That is a long con. <laughs> yeah. I would whenever it says continued on page 7C, guess what, motherfucker? There is no 7C. I took it. It's like releasing a part one of a podcast, but then we go and do an interview instead. (laughs) (laughs) You You thought you were going to get a part two? Fuck you. (laughs) One of the things I want to say, William Randolph Hearst, his armor collection at the DIA is pretty fucking dope. Oh, nice. Yeah, but hey, it's free too if you're a Wayne County resident. You can stroll on down there, go look at William Randolph Hearst's armor collection for fucking free. The DIA. <laughs> Not a bad way to spend a Tuesday when you're supposed to be somewhere else, when you're supposed to be at work. <laughs> you got an edible or something? Go take it. Go look at some fucking nights and shit. So through the Chicago circulation wars, that's where Mossy Enright kind of establishes himself as a power. He builds a gang. They're known for the brutality and violence. And eventually his reputation for being willing to crack heads increased his popularity and he became a union secretary which is a position that uh earned some political influence so then he starts teaming up with chicago's first ward vice district alderman bathhouse john coughlin and michael hinky dink kenna could you tell me again i know you've told me before but what's an alderman again they represent like a ward which would be like oh yeah that's what it was got it it's sort of like almost be like a borough president in like new york the way that I've come, and this is my own stupid definition back to that that onion, it's because cities like New York are too fucking big. New right. York in and of itself should just be Manhattan. The fact that right. the Bronx, Brooklyn, Harlem are all different parts of New York is fucking ridiculous. So because it's so big and you just have one mayor of New York, they have the right. mini like mayor of Manhattan, mayor of Bronx, mayor of yeah. Brooklyn. Because the town's not supposed to be that fucking big. So aldermen are kind of like under mayors for what Got should it. be separate. It's like if all of Down River was just one town, and then you right. have aldermen for Wyandotte, the aldermen for Ruth. Got it. Is Makes that sense. a good explanation? Yeah, that's that's about it. Nailed <laughs> it. It's a level of local politics that we've now phased out as we've gone like to bigger government. Back in the day, it was a very important position because local government was your government. The president, right. you didn't even give a fuck. Like, it meant yeah, like yeah. nothing to you. You know, I mean, we're in Michigan where we get to smoke weed legally, so we're kind of in the same boat. We don't give a shit either. <laughs> well, I mean, some would say the government is still set up like that. The president has very little to do with you. You should be more involved with yeah. who your governor or mayor is. But since it's way more flashy, everything's in your face, you hear more about congressman and president and shit but those motherfuckers don't get your street clean and get your garbage picked up and not to do too much of an aside but that that's kind of always what bothers me when people say you know i don't care about politics i don't care about this be like you know you live in a city to a degree you should it's like you don't have to worry about everything that's going on everywhere but 
knowing the people that are making decisions for you and having a voice in those decisions is kind of important. So I, I, I just don't like when people are just dismissive of, the, of politics altogether. So you don't have to care about that stuff, you know, the, the wide, the whole country, but, you know, you should be at least slightly involved in what's going on where you live because it impacts you directly. So you really can't get away from politics no matter what you do, unless you're just completely blind to it and just really don't care. Yeah, people say they don't care about politics is, no, you just don't care about politicians. Everyone cares about politics. Like right. views on laws, you don't pay attention to money. You have no views on any of this. That's fucking ridiculous. Your garbage getting picked up or the regulations making sure that there's not a bunch of garbage in the food that you eat or, you know, things of that nature. There's, there's levels to it. But um, I think well, people should be at least a little involved in it. Hinky Dink Kenna and Bathhouse John, they were like at the level of corruption of like Boss Tweed and Tammany Hall in New York. We just haven't heard as much about it because it's Chicago. But Chicago okay. is kind of notoriously the most corrupt of the cities. Like Tammany Hall was corrupt, but it was in New York, which was big. Chicago, as big as it is, is still a smaller city than New York. Right. So they were able to really dig in. But Bathhouse John and Hinky Dink Kenna are almost as big a part of that as the gangsters were because they represented that ward, which was the levy district. And okay. that was like the third, the red light district where all the gambling dens and the brothels and all that stuff went there and they were open. They were up for the take. So they helped build what eventually would become the Chicago mafia that we know started okay. in that area from like their designed red light district in Chicago. People that listen to the show would remember the levy from uh, the Everlay sisters episode. They were the two that, uh, I mean, listen to the episode. I love it. It was me and uh, Lorraine were on that one. And it's just, they revolutionized the brothel game. Those two women, Mm -hmm. pussy pioneers, they had that shit. (laughs) Like there's a lot of shit. I'm not going to spoil it, but a lot of things that slang terms that we just know now came from them. And yeah. that's where we talked about the levy was the super poor red light district in Chicago. And that's where uh, Inky Deke and Old Bathhouse John first appeared, I think. Is that the only episode they popped up on or have they been on a couple? No, like Big Jim. So they're kind of the the pre-Torio, the pre-politics, the, the foundation of the corrupt politics. Because you never so, forget Hinky Dink when you hear his name pop up. I should have grabbed the fucking pictures because... The one thing I remember, Lorraine McClay, when we, we put up the pictures, and I was like, that's Bathhouse John, and that's Hinky Dink Kenna. And she said, oh, yeah, that is. Like, you see a picture <laughs> of them, and you know, like, oh, yeah, that's, that's, a that's Hinky, Hinky Dink. dink. <laughs> <laughs> it's I a mean, whole lot of Hinky Dink. The little one with the mustache, right? Yeah, I know. I know. You don't got to say anything else. Hinky Dink is such a name that you forget Bathhouse John. Like yeah, yeah. Any other time, Bathhouse John would be like, "Wait, what is? Yeah, is playing, wait a minute, what? Hinky Dink, what is he doing?" Right, exactly. So now, now Mossy Enright, he's got his, he's got his gang that he built during the Circulation Wars, and they're known for being brutal and violent. And now he's got his connections to the First World Alderman, and he starts really building this gang, and he becomes the top labor union racketeer in Chicago through the 1910s. He ends up controlling all of the city's labor unions. He was able to hold them while 
staying at constant war with other rival gangs, including Timothy Big Tim Murphy. As he grew, one of his top protégés, Walter Stevens, became a prolific hitman working underneath him. He builds up this giant this labor union racket, and then he's got his buddies, and they kind of got this uh, political thing. But Johnny Torrio and Al Capone and the Southside gang kind of come through, and at some point they decide... It's a nice business you got there. It'd be a shame if something were to happen to it. Uh, so they did the client, classic mob thing of somebody has a good hustle. They're like, hey, you know, we're, we're going to have that now. It's ours. Mine. It's like when people now steal your Instagram account. Like, oh, you have 25,000 followers? I'll take those. And then I'll <laughs> yeah. just send out a bunch of fucking Bitcoin ads. That's exactly what they were doing. Mm-hmm. On February 2nd, 1920, Mossy Enright was gunned down near his house on the south side a month after Prohibition started and three weeks before Big Jim Colosimo was killed and Johnny Victorio took over the south side mob. Damn, so he got taken out like right when things were getting good. He didn't get to play in all the fun games. Well, I don't think it was an accident. After his death, Johnny Torrio absorbed Walter Stevens and brought in the rest of their corrupt politicians and the labor racket. It's just a mergers and acquisitions thing. Yeah. Oh, yeah. It's just business. But I'm just saying he got like at least people like Walter Stevens got to see some action. Like they got to see some of the shit go down before they got taken over. Like this guy got taken like right when oh, yeah, yeah. got started. Right yeah. when Turiel was took out Big Jim and started taking over, like right before action time, he got taken out. Yeah, that's a that's a bummer. You left the fireworks before getting to check out the finale. The problem, he was probably the most expensive part of that operation, right? If you're looking at taking that thing over, he liked everything about it, except right. this big scrappy Irish dude that's running the whole thing. So Vincent Casamo was arrested and tried for his murder, but he was acquitted. But labor union racketeer James Vincey would be convicted of Enright's murder. Most people believe he was murdered either by Big Tim Murphy or by Big Tim Murphy working for Johnny Torrio and El Capone to just kind of bring in that thing into the mob. So I think basically Big Tim won the war by attrition. He was like, well, I can't beat Mossy Enright, but I am down to work with you. I can help you run his shit if you help me take him out. That makes sense. Yeah. Go to get the backing of the bigger dog to finally take him out and got the bigger backer. That's what happened. And that's the story of Maurice Mossy Enright. So say good night to the bad guy. Go on. The last time you're gonna see a bad guy like this again, let me tell you. How old does he when he died? He would have been oh. 34. Damn. All right, so we outlived him. Woo! Congratulations. <laughs> <laughs> we did it. No, but I mean I feel like I should. To, to be like Tim, to, to do that, because not only are you taking out your competition, but now they know like you're not a threat. Like you do as you're told and you'll just work for them. So now you know you're safe when they take shit over. That's the move to make. 100%. I believe they killed Big Tim in like 1928, though. So eventually they, they went with him to help him bring it in. And eventually they're like, well, you remember how this part works, right? You're the new most expensive part of this operation, Big Tim. Too bad you have to die before they invent sliced bread. Ooh, you would have loved, loved sliced it bread. Too. 
You would have loved it, Tim. <laughs> if there's one thing I know about Tim, he always hated having to cut bread himself. Such an asshole. I know I didn't have a physical description, but the picture that I got of Mossy Enright is the reason I wanted to cover him. Besides the fact huh. that he's one of the he's one of the rackets that were really important that Johnny Torrio swallowed. But you guys got to guess who uh, you want to play him for? I'll show you the picture. Can I ask one question about his size? He's a big dude. Big dude. Yeah. Okay. <clears throat> I'm gonna go with. Kevin James. That's what I'm guessing. That's a good one. Um, oh, you know who the dude that plays uh the hound on Game of Thrones. I don't know what his name is, but he's a big dude. And I could just he needs to be an enforcer in a mob movie somehow, somewhere. Well, that his guy. name was Rory McCann. Yeah, that guy. The <laughs> that dude. Thing. But okay, here's a picture. Yeah, that's of- what I said. Here's a picture of Mossy Enright. Oh, um, if Chris Farley was still alive. Oh, who is that? I see. Young Brian Dennehy. Google it. I like that. I do. I'd like the young Brian Dennehy a lot. I used to say uh, the old man fight, like my celebrity boxing old man fight, is like Brian Dennehy versus Stacy Keach. It's <laughs> a great fight. <laughs> Don't watch those two and then James Earl, James Earl Jones takes the winner. <laughs> bare knuckle. Awesome. We're for sure going bare knuckle and shit. Bare knuckle oh, and white 100%. beaters. Old man style. It's amazing. I never thought you just opened my mind to a whole new category. <laughs> Celebrity old man fights. Oh, you, you, you would have thought great. it sounded like a terrible idea. Until I roll out Brian Dennehy versus Stacey Oh no, you, you're like goddamn no, you it. Man. You son of I want to see Will. I want to see Willem Dafoe and Harvey Keitel go at it now. <laughs> like you just opened my mind to some shit. <laughs> Dude, you said Willem Dafoe. I was like, oh, who the fuck is gonna fight Willem Dafoe? Then you said fucking Harvey Keitel. I'm like, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> right. We want to watch that fight. See? Oh yes. Old man oh, fights. Be, it's. Man, thank you for that. <laughs> so now we got to do the DEFCON scale. Standard DEFCON scale is five to one, five being the lowest, one being the highest. But the bad guy podcast, there's no good guys. So five would be Lee Murray, who's your drug dealing, kidnapping, bank robber. And one is the purple gang, who's got multiple gang wars, multiple massacres, and they're keep killing people on the streets. So on a scale of Lee Murray to the purple gang, where would you rate Mossy and Wright? I'll let you go first, Cancer. Okay, I'm gonna I'm gonna land in the middle of the road on this one. I'm gonna go with a three. It's a bad guy for sure, but not anything that's. Uh, what was the final body count? Him personally. So it I, wasn't really his count. Is it? I don't know. The thing. I don't know if it's really, his influence. I mean, we didn't have a whole lot of information about anything he did, really. I would say like a three and a half, then three point five. If I'm breaking the rules, I'm breaking the rules a bit. Look, I got about four sentences that I turned into a page, but with a pretty dope picture. <laughs> Young that's, Brian Denny, he did some shit. That's what I brought to the table. Uh, I'm like, died. well, I squeezed eight bullet points. And that's more bullets than he right? squeezed out. So how so. many people did he kill? Pfft, I don't know. 
maybe his <laughs> overlying influence resulted in some but yeah i'm, I'm gonna go with three and a half i know he stood there like this yeah he, he looked like mr fancy pants throw three and a half look like <laughs> professor <Mr>. fancy pants <laughs> yeah freddie fancy pants so uh dan what do you got for defcon i'm gonna say this is where i wanted cancer to go first because i really didn't have much to say on the topic neither but i think i think i'll go with a four because he definitely was above a five because he was violent. That's definitely for sure. He made like, he made his way, you know, by the fists, by beating people up. That's how he made his money. That's how he came up. And I mean, he probably did more violent. He probably got into some shit. He may have a body or two, but I don't know. He's, he's too violent to be a five, but we definitely didn't get enough on him to make him really higher than a four. Like he could be a three, but I don't know. I'm going more, more four with him. I agree with both of you. I mean, you said three, three and a half. He said four. And, mm-hmm. I, and I'm right there with you. Cause it's weird. These labor sluggers, it's a, a hard level of violence to rank yeah. on something because you're not killing people, but you are violent for a living. You are, you beat the shit out of people all the time. And hardworking people you're beating up all the time. Yeah. But But sometimes you're fighting with them. I mean, because labor sluggers always work for either side, whoever's got the most money. Yeah. And I'm sort of more to put it more into context, too, is, you know, you're almost there for a fight. Like everyone knows what they're in there for. Kind of go to one of those things, you know, you're going to end up fighting. So that's almost like consensual battle to me. So, like, if you're out there fighting other dudes that are wanting to fight, are you really that bad? And back then, it was a way more violent time. Like, there was no such thing as a pacifist. If you were a kid in, in like, Chicago during that time, you were getting into scraps. You knew violence. It was way more common for parents to be kicking the shit out of their kids. It was made, like, violence was just around everywhere. So, I mean, to become a mob member and be putting hits on, yeah, that's a choice. But if all he did was go out there and throw fisticuffs, and it is... Like he's just hand to hand battling. I almost like, yeah, that's violent, but it's not as violent as we think it is in today's context. But also, those things, it's not necessarily they weren't out there boxing. Like they could have been out there with baseball bats and billy clubs, like bricking people in the fucking head. It could be like a raw battle. Like he's fucking people. True. Up. They did do that. So yeah. And it is funny. Like, people's heads in. 100%. I mean, I think about the violence that that took place in this episode. One was newspaper children having to go to war. And then union busting, which we hear all the time. It's a very normal thing on this show. It's like, so he did union busting. That was his thing. He became a thumper. Like, it was common practice. Oh, we have a union dispute. Let's go into this parking lot and hit each other with clubs. Like, that was a normal thing. That's wild. So we're going to call him a violent DEFCON 4. They're moving in. I say we go to DEFCON 4. No, that was violent four we've ever had. He's like a four that another four carries on a leash. Yeah. He's like a four that three... That's a great way to put it. (laughs) All right, this is Say Hello to the Bad Guy. Thanks for coming and thanks for listening.
Yeah. Say hello to the bad guy. Bad guy. The good guy coming last place. Smell that dope when I pass by. I let my money at a fast pace. Say hello to the bad guy. Down bad, my mama had to be dead. Spent my birthdays in the trap. We had to work with what we had. She been working on a raise while trying to raise me like a man. Plus my daddy in the box and all my cousins in the cam. Man. And I don't need a hundred friends. I just want a hundred bands, a hundred jugs, a hundred scams. Hey, hey. So I don't money grab the hundred hams. So I don't money grab the bunch of. And bands. I ain't wanna fall victim to that system or the pistols. Fuck a judge with a grudge. I'm blowing crud for my mental life. Ay, and I still keep it on me, run into your big homie, first you meet your dead homie, yeah, yeah. Say hello to the bad guy, bad guy. the good guy coming last place. Smell that dope when I pass by, pass by. I let my money at a fast pace. And her ass fake And yeah, she in love with the bad guy But bad bitches never act right She act up until that bag fly She did a turn around at one night Say hello to the bad guy The good guy coming last place Smell that dope when I pass by I let my money at a fast pace Say hello to the bad guy Smell the dope when I pass by.